0: The Long Box Crusade presents Action Film Face Off. This episode, it's 2019 versus 1983. Two films enter, one film leaves.
1: It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hit. I'm feeling like a black mom.
2: Oh, yes. Welcome back, everybody. Of course, this episode is sponsored by Omaha Bound Entertainment. Omaha Bound is the best choice for hard-binding those special comics in your collection. Oh, you listen to Action Film Face-Off and you don't collect comics? That's fine. Maybe you've got a collection of Starlog magazines. You nerds got Starlog. Fangoria, perhaps?
0: You nerds got Fangoria.
2: (laughs) Any action magazine that you've been collecting it doesn't matter. If you want something hardbound, go to omahabound.com. They custom design every cover. You're going to get a unique piece that no one else has with every order. They do great work. I have tons of stuff bound by them. They make truly one-of-a-kind collections. In addition to Binding, they also sell special trade collections of hard-to-find comics. And all of it's available on their website, which is omahabound.com. Treat yourself right. Treat those special comics, magazines, whatever it is you want bound, treat them right. Go to omahabound.com today. And with that, welcome back to Action Film Face Off. This is the show where two random years are selected. My brother will bring an action film from one of the random years, while I bring an action film from the other random year. Then those two films will do battle using a variety of criteria, and a champion will be crowned by the end of the episode. Thing about the crown? It's got spikes on it. Of course it does. (laughs) Let me introduce you one of your hosts, my brother, a U.S. Army combat veteran of Kosovo and Iraq, Jason Weasel Skull
0: oh, Rick. This episode, he fights a bear. I do not fight a bear, but yes, indeedy, I am Quarantini, and we are going to score each of today's films on a scale of 1 to 10 in five categories. Those categories are... Story, overall spectacle, best action scene, the hero, and the villain. And then there will be the deduction round, where up to 10 points can be subtracted from the film's total for whatever we determine is the low point of the movie. Well, Let's find out what this episode's first action film is going to be from my brother and co-host, a U.S. Air Force combat veteran of Iraq, and a combat self-defense instructor, Jared Albrick, the yard sale artist, a.k.a. Death Probe.
2: I have to throw in that combat self-defense instructor thing just because I know people won't give me respect for being an Air Force combat veteran.
0: <laughs> Probably a good call.
2: <laughs> but thank you, Jason. I will reveal what our films are going to be in just one second. But before those two films enter the Video Dome arena where people are already just begging for blood, guts, and gore.
0: And we've got them all. we got we've them got, all. We've got them all.
2: Yep. We're thrilled to kick off this episode with special shout-outs to our Crusaders Club members. To the fine folks that have joined our crusade. They enjoy discounts from my online store, theyardsaleartist.com, early access to special long box episodes, and so much more. So we must pay our respects to these fine folks that are supporting our programs.
0: And Helico Wolf! Ow! Ow! There we go. Bill Beer. Blast it or stash it. Bob Busta Busta. Braxton Underwood.
2: David Collins, but you will know him as Battle Wagon. Battle wagon Gene Hendricks. Gerald Green. Greg Van Leuven. I the Collector. Ivor Evans. Jeremy L. Don't Squeeze the Jim Jarman. Joe Thomas, but you can call him Joe November. John Watson. John and Maggie. Jose Pollo. Maxwell Traver. Miranda W. Paul Heeks. Reggie Hancock. Rick from Jeff and Rick present Ronald Went. Ross Michaud, Samantha Maney,
0: Ryan Daly, Sean Urbanski, Steve Gronin, Tim Price, Toronto Cop, and one-time donor Bradford Williams.
2: If uh, hope you missed anybody on that list. We apologize. Keep in mind, we record these episodes well in advance for release. So if you're a recent edition, we'll be adding you soon. If there's any problems, though, you can hit us up with an email. Contact at longboxcrusade.com. We'll get it straightened out. You might be asking yourself, how do I get my name on that list of well-thought-of people and become a Crusaders Club member? It's simple. It's not simple. Not for me. <laughs> just head over to patreon.com longbox crusade for as little as one buck a month you'll get access to the amazing world of the Crusaders Club come check it out I think we did the math on our New year's special and if you paid one dollar a month last year you were paying like it's like 20 cents an episode or something like that we are giving to a
0: comic book for that anymore we're giving you a bargain people give us your dollar well let's get back to the combat and learn a bit about the film gladiators about to battle for your pleasure This time around, I was assigned the year of
2: 2019, and I was going to say I selected, but the voters selected. We put it out on our Twitter, which is at Podcast. We'd certainly appreciate it if you followed us, plus you could be voting on what films we talk about on the show. And the big winner, winner, chicken dinner for this one from 2019 was John Wick 3 Parabellum. Sorry, Alita Battle Angel. I mean, we put four films up. I can't remember what all four of them were, but Alita Battle Angel came close, closer than I thought She would against John Wick, but John Wick 3 was ultimately chosen and stars Keanu Reeves, Halle Berry, Ian McShane, and Lawrence Fishburne. What year did the randomizer select for you, Jason?
0: Well, I got 1983, so we're going back a little ways here, folks. Some of our listeners may not even been around in 1983, but if you were... I put into our Video Dome Arena, the classic Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, and Barbara Carrera. Good, good. We've got a fine matchup for this one, folks. Now, it's
2: important to point out that this isn't Jared versus Jason. We each had to select from our assigned year, so I might very well like his selection better than mine.
0: Well, yours wasn't even your selection, as we just discussed.
2: Good point. It was the selection of our followers on Twitter. Anyway, basically, this is all about just discussing some beloved action film. Films and coming to a consensus on which one is this episode's champion. You know, Jason, I don't think we've ever watched a film on Action of a Face-Off that I didn't like. I liked them all to one degree or another.
0: Yeah, I'm thinking back and there isn't any that I've really regretted watching. There were some that I was like, hey, I wonder what this is going to be like. <laughs> I've enjoyed Scorcerer, them all. hmm, okay. <laughs> yes,
2: Sorcerer was a bold choice, but uh, we learned something there. Not sure what it was, but it was fun. Uh, don't
0: drive trucks full of uh, nitroglycerin through the jungle.
2: Yeah. There's a life lesson there. Alright, folks. Spoiler warning. If you have not seen John Wick 3 Parabellum, what the hell's wrong with
0: you? Why are you listening to this podcast? Uh,
2: stop. <laughs> yeah. Anyways, if you haven't seen that or Lone Wolf McQuaid, we're going to give you an opportunity here to pause the podcast and watch him because we're going to spoil the heck out of it. No sacred ground here, people. If you haven't seen John Wick 3 or Lone Wolf McQuaid, Now's your chance. We're going to play a little music for you. On the other side of it, the spoilers are coming. So we'll
0: see you on the other side of the music track. And I'm sorry, Mountain Flower. If you haven't seen John Wick 3 yet, please keep listening. (laughs) maybe check it out we don't want to lose 100 of our female audience (laughs) we've got to be very careful here
2: you know what if you are a female listener to the show we want to hear from you by the way (laughs) because we're convinced right now that we have one female listener if you're a female listener to actual face off please head to twitter at affopodcast and let us know you're out there listening we want to know do we have (laughs) two let's get to uh, we got to get to the spoiler warning here comes the music Okay, I hope you guys enjoyed those films. I know we did, and we're going to talk about it. Here's some quick information on 2019's John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. When one bellum just won't do. <laughs> it's a para- <laughs> parabellum.
0: Oh, man. Why am I laughing at Tony hurt. I don't know.
1: <laughs> Jonathan, what have you done? To dream the impossible dream There is no escape for you. The high table wants your life. To write the of right, wrong
0: Tell me what you want.
1: Passage. I can't help you. To reach the unreachable star Do you expect him to make it out? A 14 million dollar bounty on his head. Every everyone in the city wants a piece of it. I say the odds are about even dark five seconds.
0: John Wynn, excommunicado in effect in three, two,
1: one. And away we go. Follow that star No matter how hopeless No matter how far To fight for the right Without question of war To be willing to march into hell For a heavenly call Sofia? Not going in like the old days. Just a conversation.
2: Nothing's ever
1: just a conversation with you, John.
2: As I mentioned earlier, cast and crew include Keanu Reeves, Ian McShane, Holly Berry, Lawrence Fishburne is directed by Chad Stahelski. Here's your synopsis. There's an open contract on John Wick. He's excommunicata. Do you think he cares? Well, he does, but he's not letting it or anyone stop him from trying to square things up with the High Table. The trouble is that the High Table is now coming after anyone that helped John kill that turd of a guy back in Chapter 2, which includes Winston, the owner of the New York Continental Hotel, and the Bowery King. Stuck between not wanting to be hunted anymore and wanting to help his friends, John's got some hard choices to make and lots of people to kill. All right, let's get into the trivia. Early in the film, we see John in a room filled with revolvers from the 19th century. He desperately is swapping out parts of the revolvers, listening to the mechanisms, basically cobbling together a gun he could use to defend himself. This is an homage to the scene in *The Good, the Bad, and the Ugly* from 1966, where Tuco is assembling a revolver to suit his taste from a multitude of other revolvers at the gunsmith shop. Shout out to *Good, the Bad, and the Ugly*; that's cool. Saw some horses in this movie too. I think they were trying to make John Wick a cowboy in this
0: movie. <laughs> <laughs> Not you mentioned it. Yeah, he rode a horse once. Twice. Dude.
2: <laughs> Interesting trivia number 2. Mark the welcome back to action film face off we haven't seen you since brotherhood of the wolf but you're more than welcome back on the show he played zero and asia kate Dillon, who plays the adjudicator her and mark DeCoscos said they were both big fans of john wicks one and two and they got an offer to be in three they took it without even reading the script and i'll take that one step further mark dacascos which is fun to say mark got the call from the director apparently he was not the first choice for zero they had someone else lined up that person backed out the director called Mark DeCascos and said, hey, would you like to be the villain in this next John Wick film? And Mark DeCascos was like, yes, absolutely. When do we start? You know, summer, fall? Today, right now. And that's literally what the director said. We start tomorrow. So nice. the sight unseen got on a plane and went to be Agent Zero. What a great choice. We'll talk about it. Yeah, definitely. And finally, I knew this one would be near and dear to your heart, Jason. Two of Zero's Ninja Warriors were played by Yayan Ruhian and... Susep Arif Rahman. Those names are hard to pronounce. I think I heard you try to say them before on our episode where we did The Raid. Both of those guys are awesome, awesome martial artists in The Raid. So it was nice to see them. Welcome back to Action Film Face-Off.
0: That was a great movie, The Raid, and I don't regret one moment choosing it, but I did not think through the logistics of having to read all of the names. (laughs) That was a fun episode. That was a fun episode.
2: When I think back on Action Film Face-Off, episodes of the past and if i just want high octane f- out action raid the raid <laughs> <Yep. What's laughs> it on there it's just insane oh anyway jason what you got
0: well i will give you the rundown of 1983's lone wolf mcquade
1: when you're the best you do things with style jj mcquade is the best He's a lone wolf lawman in the Lone Star State. Your record is unrivaled, but my kind of ranger is a uh, model citizen, a pillar in the community, goes to church, he lives clean. He's got a loving wife and kids. Your lone wolf attitude is going to change. Even a wolf has his weaknesses. And a powerful enemy. But even the best can't always do it alone. Running up to us! Something to remember you by. Ranger, meet your new partner. It's going to be an honor working with you, Ranger McQuaid. Thank you, you no Agent Jackson. Looks like somebody doesn't like you, McQuaid. I make a few enemies here and there. Yeah? So do I. So now the wolf has a wolf pack. final showdown belongs to McQuaid, Lone Wolf McQuaid, starring Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, and Leon Isaac Kennedy.
0: The cast and crew included Chuck Norris, David Carradine, Barbara Carrera, Leon Isaac Kennedy, and Robert Beltran. It was directed by Steve Carver. And so the synopsis goes a little something like this. One riot, one ranger. That's the motto of the Texas Rangers, and no one epitomizes that motto better than Ranger J.J. McQuaid. McQuaid is a karate-kicking, bullet-spitting, one-man army who meets out Justice Lone Wolf style. Changing times, and an unsympathetic captain, however, forced McQuaid to take on a wet-behind-the-ears partner. Reluctant at first, the lone wolf finds himself taking on vicious international weapon smuggler Raleigh Wilkes and realizes he needs all the help he can get. And so for my trivia, I found three pretty good little nuggets. One was, when asked how good a martial artist David Carradine was, Norris replied, He's every bit as good a martial artist as I am an actor. There's a compliment in there. Uh, yeah. <laughs> That's a backfisted compliment. <laughs> the film used no stunt doubles during the final fight between Norris and Wilkes. And finally, and this is continuing the action film face off theme of John Milius, turns out he worked on the script uncredited. <laughs> That dude pops up everywhere. Next everywhere. We've got Milius everywhere.
2: <laughs> I don't know if John Millius is still with us or not, but if he is, we got to get him on the show.
0: We do. <laughs> I've lost track of many he Films. He's been either a writer or a director on Mm-hmm. Or both. And now that we have the basics on today's contestants.
1: Ladies and gentlemen, test your might. Uh,
2: man we've got some good ones here we've got some very modern era action and we've got some very definitive 80s action so Mm -hmm. let's get into round one round one is the story Tiger uppercut. How engaging and original is the story? We're going to score these after we discuss them on a scale of 1 to 10. I don't know Jason's scores. He doesn't know my scores. There's two films going through five main rounds, which means we could match up to 10 times. It's the little game within the podcast now. How many times are the Brothers Albert going to match without knowing each other's scores? Place your bets now, and let's get into talking about the story. Jason, the story of 2019's John Wick 3. Your thoughts.
0: Well, I thought the story was pretty terrific. I guess when we look at John Wick 1, 2, and 3, and I think we've only done John Wick, the first one, on Action Film Face-Off. Yes. This is really kind of like one continually developing story. So this is really part three of a story that's still developing. And I really liked it. It introduced some new compelling characters and brought back a lot of our old favorites, I missed the character Lucius. We were talking about it before the show started. I was really hoping Lucius, which I think he was played by Common. Yeah, I think that's right. Would make a comeback. And I'm still kind of hopeful maybe he'll show up in John Wick 4. Yeah, he was uh, he was a very cool addition of part two. Yeah, I was hoping to see more of him. But even so, I mean, we got additional characters with, you know, Halle Berry, and that was really cool. We got to learn more about John Wick's world. This is really starting to expand. We're starting to see how this underground empire really spans the globe. And it's interesting. We've learned more about their code of ethics, how they handle their internal business. It's a really fascinating and compelling story. I greatly enjoyed it.
2: It was all right.
0: (laughs) No, you're
2: right. I think this is one of the best continuation series of films story wise, because they pick up immediately after each one. I like the way that starting with the second one, they called it chapter two and chapter three, because it is like you're reading a book that just keeps the story going. Right. They don't try to get crafty and creative. You know, you see a lot of these movie series where they're like, you know, it's a few years between movies. And they're like, oh, well, we could try to be creative with this little element that we had back here, or this or that. This doesn't feel that way. It feels like they've had a plan from day one. Now, yeah. they may have developed it. I don't want to speak ill of any creators that claim they have plans for series and sequels, and then they don't seem like they do, George Lucas. But... <laughs> What was that? Nothing. It really seemed like they had a plan. And that's what I respect most about it. And what you mentioned, the peeling back of the world that they have built, learning more and more about the underground world. I love how they use analog telephone, rotary phones and chalkboards and rubber stamps because none of that's trackable in our digital Carrier pigeons, man. Carrier Carrier pigeons. (laughs) And shout out, by the way, I don't know if you caught it, but that actor who plays the penguin on Gotham had. A small part in this film. He was one of the people working in the office.
0: That's where I saw him, bro. I think he was the
2: one that got the news that they were deconsecrating the... Yeah, hotel. he
0: had, like, all the jewelry in his lip and Yeah, yeah. I was like,
2: oh, it's a penguin guy. That's pretty cool. Anyways, I could go on and on about this, that, and the details, but overall, really good continuation storytelling. And that can be hard to do in films. I mean, how many times have we seen films where we get to the third one and we just go, man, I kind of wish they would have stopped at one. I mean, I love... I love all three of the Matrix films, but are any of them... Perfect continuations of one? Highlander. Are any of those perfect continuations of one? You shut your mouth. Oh, I'm sorry, Mr. Connery. I (laughs) forgot you were here. You see my point, though. I think there's a quality drop off in sequels, and I still like all those movies. I want to be very clear, but there's a noticeable quality drop off that isn't in the John Wick series. I don't see a noticeable quality drop off in the stories, and that says something. All right, let's move on to 1983. Let's go back in time. Let's put on some parachute pants. I got a mm-hmm. Kangol hat I'm going to put on because I'm hipping with it. Talk to me about the story of Lone Wolf McQuaid, 1983.
0: Well, Lone Wolf McQuaid, it was inspired by the spaghetti westerns mm. of the 1970s and 60s. It's pretty black and white. It's- oh, it's it was pretty- in color. It was in color. <laughs> well, yeah, I was in color. I mean, yeah, okay. You got me. <laughs> Nice one. But it's really a heroes and villains, good guy, bad guy story, going back to those old Westerns. It's about a kind of an old school Texas Ranger who's kind of a blunt instrument, if you will, and and trying to make his way in changing times. He has a hard time dealing with that. He's got some complexities in there with dealing with his ex-wife and trying to maintain a relationship with his daughter. There's a couple interesting little character developments that keep things grounded pretty well, so it it doesn't get too terribly over the top like you might expect a Chuck Norris movie to do. There are some really human elements in there that keep him from being that Superman macho type, 80s type of hero. So I thought overall it was a pretty good black and white, kind of cookie-cutter story, but with enough uh, little elements in there to spice it up a little bit. I
2: think that's fair. I haven't got to use this sound clip in a while on Action Film Face-Off, but this is a first timer for me. I've never seen this movie until I watched it for Action Film Face-Off, and it's been around since 1983. <laughs> I have not seen this movie in my life up until a couple weeks ago. By the way, as of this recording, which is mid-April, this is April 16th, 2020, it is available for free on YouTube. It's got a few commercial breaks, but you can watch it, and that's how I did. That was great to catch it for free.
0: Probably should have told them that before we went to the
2: break. And then oh, <laughs> God dang it, I paid 4 dollars It's a series of highs and lows on action film face-off people. <laughs> But anyway, you said it best. I expected very 1980s, very Chuck Norris. And in that regard, I was not disappointed. But there are just enough little layers. Sometimes I found the layers to be a little distracting. I think they went maybe a little over the top with his blossoming romance with Barbara Carrera. But eh. It added layers. I was no more than 10 minutes in when I totally got the vibe that this was a spaghetti western set in a modern era. And I really liked that. To me, about 15 minutes in, I felt like I was watching a really good blend of a 60s spaghetti western Sergio Leone type of film put in a blender with a dirty Harry Film because he's got the boss that he doesn't like, you know, the overbearing cop boss that don't really get along like Dirty Harry. It's in the modern times, with you know what I'm saying, is Dirty yeah. Harry mixed up with an old Clint Eastwood movie. And I thought that was really cool. So that will save it from mediocrity in the scoring. Hint, hint. Speaking of which, let's score them. On a scale of 1 to 10, John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum. What you got?
0: I gave it an 8. It is well above average and getting more compelling.
2: For those of you playing match game at
0: home, good news. (laughs) Round one, match game. Oh. I scored it an eight. Are the stars going to line on this one? Are we going to have a full run? Oh, man, that'd be great if one day we have a full run. I don't know. We need to get somebody who's like our statistician, because I'm too lazy to keep track of all this stuff. <laughs> Laurel, have we ever gone through?
2: <laughs> <laughs> I don't think we ever have matched all the way through. I would have okay. remembered. But let's go to Lone Wolf McQuaid, 1983. One to 10. A
0: little bit above average, almost cookie cutter, but like I said, just enough little spice in there for me to give it a six. Match game.
2: <laughs> like I said, I I was like, okay, there's very, very 1980s predictability involved, but just enough layers to take it above your average 80s film. Yeah. I like no, it I a agree. little more than some of the more standard fare of the 80s. One of these days, we're going to get American Ninja 2, and that's all. Tens, man, wall to
0: wall. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, let's go into round two, and round two is the hero. We're going to talk about how cool the hero is. So, Jared, let's start with your film, John Wick 3. How cool is the hero? Let's talk about it.
2: It's John Wick, the hero that just gets more and more fun to watch in every film. I like that they have stuck with the theme and they're not afraid to beat him up. We kind of talked about that in the Craig era of James Bond. They're not afraid to get him bloody. In fact, I think that's what makes John Wick even more compelling, is in a way, he's everything as cool and tough as James Bond or Jason Bourne. And then you throw in that piece that we talked about a couple episodes on Rocky, where he just keeps coming. Part of his allure is his ability to endure endless amounts of pain. And just keep coming. It's John Wick. You take it. it. (laughs) Then we'll circle back and we'll get my 10 and it'll be all
1: good.
0: (laughs) No, I kind of got silent there for a minute because you said something that got me to thinking And that's always dangerous. Uh Uh-oh, here we go. But he can take a lot of physical pain. Mm -hmm. What he's struggling with, really, since chapter one is the death of his wife. True. So I almost wonder if this is almost his way of coping. Like, he can take any physical pain, Mm -hmm. but it's the emotional pain of losing his wife Mm -hmm. that he can't come to terms with. It's almost like he's kind of set these things in motion himself, in a way. And I know we're going back to chapter one and we're saying, well, if that dude hadn't shot the dog. Right. But how much of uh, was him wanting to get revenge on the dog and how much of it is him punishing himself? Mm
2: hmm. You know, a lot of times when we're faced with uh, welcome to the, uh, psychosis film face off <laughs> of time- film
0: book club, everybody.
2: <laughs> times when We're faced with something terribly difficult. Emotionally, we retreat to what we know. And yeah. that, that's what he knows. He knows death. And
0: death That's that's <laughs> all he knows Yep And we learn that In this movie When he goes back To the Russian school mm-hmm. Right Jean Dami Welcome back Jean Dami Bring back memories Jean Dami <laughs> Yeah But yeah I agree with you I think Keanu Reeves And we talked about This a little bit On an earlier episode Not the greatest Actor in the world I think he'd be The first to admit it But man The guy puts his heart And his soul Into what he's doing He's mm-hmm. got Air of authenticity About him And I don't mean mean to say like because what he does is fantastical and it's impossible but the amount of work ethic he puts into making the film really translates over well to his character no shortcuts no shortcuts exactly okay. you know he goes about his business professionally and he puts everything he has into it physically and emotionally and then you've got really the impressive edition of Halle Berry Oh, mm. oh, man. She brought some extra firepower to the screen. Again, we talked a little bit about it in the first John Wick movie. One of the strengths of this film is recognizing that he may not have the great acting chops, but he can be the star of the film. And then particularly when he's surrounded by characters like Winston and Sharon and, and now Sophia. So they surround him with a bunch of acting talent to really augment his already incredible presence and that really just brings out one epic hero on the big screen. Oh,
2: yes. And I want to give a quick shout out too because, you know, I did my research. I watched all the bonus features on the Blu-ray and they pointed out that he trained every bit as hard, if not harder for part three than he did for one and two. Like, he's never slacked off his training regimen and pointing out that he's not getting any younger. He just keeps moving further and further into his 50s and he's not taking his foot off the gas and that is just mad respect for the professionalism and dedication to this franchise
0: absolutely
2: and Halle Berry did it too
0: yeah holy cow we can't neglect to say that that scene in Casablanca holy cow she was mm. keeping up with him literally shot for shot you know step for step and that yeah. was impressive
2: again bonus features the director said that when she, she basically told the director I want to be in John Wick 3 I've got to be in John Wick 3 I'm Halle Berry I'm you know, <laughs> and he bounced right back to her and said absolutely if you can do the six months of training and I I love the fact that he towed the
0: line and set the standard, and she didn't blink. She did it, and you know she's a beautiful, beautiful woman, but she's not exactly in her twenties anymore, self either. So it,
2: I think it bears mentioning that I've seen Halle Berry, and she is gorgeous, and I've seen her in films since the nineties. Gorgeous woman, and I've never found her more attractive than I did in this film. There's something about her physicality and the way she's playing it and the dedication of the part. And even though she's older, I just think she's never been more beautiful than she is in this film.
0: Yeah, and her presence. Oh, my goodness.
2: It took me about three minutes before I realized that was Halle Berry when I was watching in the theater for the first time. I was like, oh, this is a very pretty actress.
0: She's very good. Oh, my. that That's Halle,
2: <laughs> that's Halle Berry. And she's sure. killing it.
1: <laughs> yeah.
0: yeah, outstanding. Outstanding outstanding job i hope we see more of her
2: i would say it's a, a couple rungs up from die another day man it's like <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah yeah it's a couple it's a couple Jerry.
2: and for the record we still love die another day on action face off
0: mm-hmm, mm-hmm. but we're not here to talk about die another day maybe we'll talk about that another day Ooh, wow. oh we're talking about lone wolf mcquade right now And we're talking about the hero. So what do we think of J.J. McQuaid, Jared? I think J.J. McQuaid, once we reveal
2: all of our scores for this, is going to have the highest score of any block that I wrote a number in for this movie. Chuck Norris is on the top of his game. He looks good. He looks like he's having fun. I mean, this is the early 80s, so his movie career is in sort of full bloom. You know, he's blossoming into the Missing in Action franchise, and this is when Canon Films was basically making their mark. There's a wonderful documentary you can watch called Electric Boogaloo. Trust me, well worth your time watching that documentary if you can find it. I saw it on Netflix, but it's been a while. You never know with Netflix, but check out Electric Boogaloo. Great documentary about Canon Films and how they pretty much built that studio on Chuck Norris is back. So when I saw this was a Canon and a Chuck Norris, I was like, okay, here we go. You know, of so the eighties type of deal, but man, I was really taken with his performance. I mean, while he's not Clint Eastwood from the spaghetti Westerns and he never will be, and he's not dirty Harry from, you know, that gritty cop drama. Yeah. He's close enough to be fun and not taking himself so seriously that it detracts. Like I said, you put those two franchises in a blender and you add a cup and a half of 1980s. (laughs) (laughs) You get this movie, and I thought it was utterly charming in the
0: end. No, I agree with you. I mean, Chuck Norris may not be the best actor in the world, but he did have a presence about him and a confidence that lends itself well on the screen. And it really kind of secured him that title of being one of those folks that's an 80s action legend. And he's really kind of transcended the generations. I mean, how many of those Chuck Norris jokes have you heard about, you know, know, Chuck Norris doesn't do push-ups. He pushes the world down or something. (laughs) Chuck Norris was bitten by a cobra and took three weeks for that cobra to die.
2: Freddy Krueger will not go to sleep anywhere near Chuck Norris. Exactly.
0: Yeah, so he's a little bit of a legend. Like I talked about a little bit earlier, I mean, he could have been a very one-dimensional character. The story with his ex-wife was kind of charming. His daughter was kind of charming, even though she, boy, she went through the ringer a couple of times, didn't she? (laughs) They always do, Jason. Yeah, I like what they tried to do with Barbara Carrera. I just don't think that was written very well. There was nothing wrong that she did. I think it just didn't quite land right with me. But if you kind of blend all those things together and a supporting cast was really good, too that lent itself to a good hero in this story.
2: Barbara Carrera had a big 1983. This was her second appearance on action film face-off because she was also a Never Say Never Again in 1983. So she was uh, in a couple of big films in 1983. And she was gorgeous. Certainly she, gorgeous. Yeah. And you know what? I want to double back to one other thing you said and then you can have your round back and we can score them. <laughs> but I like the effort they put into the ex-wife thing because it was so tropish to do the ex-wife that he hates her and she hates him. And they didn't play it that way. They played it that they just had an unfortunate marriage to where she couldn't really handle what he did anymore and his loyalty was always giving be the job. But they made real strong efforts to get along. You could tell they still loved each other, even though they may not be in love anymore. And I thought that was a unique take. You didn't see a lot of that in the 80s.
0: I agree. I thought that was a a really nice change of pace from the usual divorce story you saw in the 80s. That kind of ties in nicely with my last thought. I really loved the ending. I loved how they wrapped it up with, you know, basically he has to make a choice, go finish his obligation to his ex-wife and daughter as they move to their new life. Or answer this call to this bank robbery where hostages are taken. And the ex-wife knows right away, you know, what <laughs> he's going to do. And he struggles with it. And then at the end, boom, they get in the car and they drive off. I think that summed up the character so well, just thought it was a really clever ending. yeah, hey, I agree. Well, we've rambled on about this for a while. Let's go ahead and put some scores to these folks. Let's talk about Keanu Reeves as John Wick in John Wick Three: Parabellum.
2: I promise you a ten. Here's your ten. It's a ten. Flawless victory.
0: Wow, you're giving a ten. Perfect ten. What you think about this before you lay this ten down? This is <laughs> Sean Connery. <laughs> This is Sean Connery Goldfinger territory we're talking about. I think that
2: he has cemented himself into the pantheon of great characters like James Bond, Indiana Jones, Dirty Harry. He is in the league now. He's in the 10 League. 10.
0: All right. Better not let Sean Connery hear that, man. That's all I got to say. He's a 7 at best. <laughs> He's pretty good. <laughs> <laughs> well, we don't have a match game on this one, but I landed on a nine.
2: Nothing wrong with that. Very good. I mean, I really- want to say I gave John Wick a nine when we did part one, and then just by his consistency and just badassity, uh, he's er- he's earned his way to a ten for me.
0: Yeah, Laurel, we're gonna need you to confirm that. <laughs> she she doesn't work on the show, man. Oh. <laughs> All right, so what about Chuck Norris as J.J. McQuaid and Lone Wolf McQuaid? I don't know, but this may be a surprisingly high score. I found him utterly charming. I thought this role suited him really well, and I gave him an eight. Oh, I'm a little bit lower than you, not by much. I gave him a seven. I kind of went barometer Roger Moore from uh, A View to a Kill. <laughs> a View to a Kill, there we go. A Roger seven. Moore, A View to a Kill is a seven. I think we're right on par here. I think Roger Moore is definitely a better actor, but okay. I think but that's Fair? I was like, yeah, they're pretty close. Oh, now, so. just,
2: uh, just a damn minute here. Did I just hear you say Roger Moore as James Bond as a
0: seven? Well, you look for right? What about George Lazenby? Uh, five. Okay. Timothy Dalton? He's an
1: 11. <laughs>
0: that's not Sean Connery at all. That was Jared Jared the whole time. time. (laughs) Anyway, let's put this to bed and talk about the villains, Jared.
2: Okay, round three is the villain. Put the knife away and shut your mouth. How menacing or entertaining is your villain? Far too often movies overlook this. Great villains make really great movies. Let's check out the villainy in John Wick 3. Take it away, Jason.
0: Well, again, I'm going to have to compare it going back to our first movie. And I kind of feel bad doing this. But like we said, this is all kind of laid out in chapters. And the problem that I had with the first movie was that while there were a lot of bad guys, there wasn't really a big bad that he could fight in the end. And this movie, John Wick 3 Parabellum, man... He's up against the whole system. There's a whole menagerie of bad guys out there. And there's also a great physical boss in the character Zero for him to fight in the end. You also had the Adjudicator. She was as cold as ice. Really cool. Everybody loves to hate her. Oh, yes. Very hateable. They, like, hit every ethnicity for a gang to go after him. I mean, there were there were people from countries I'd never even heard of going after <laughs> this guy. <laughs> And then, I mean, when you have Manny from Brotherhood of the Wolf and the characters like Mad Dog from The Raid all oh. fighting John Wick, oh. this is a rogues gallery, my friend. This is a rogues gallery. And then let's put the cherry on top of this bad guy Sunday. We get our first glimpse of the big boss from The High Table. Mm. And that guy, hmm, that guy was mysterious, cool as a cucumber. I want to see more. What do you mm. think, Jared? I think he played Breaker in the G.I. Joe movie. Did he? <laughs> he did. <laughs> well, that one hasn't made it to action film face-off yet, yet.
2: <laughs> Yes. I think the the lead bad is zero for this film. I think he's the lead bad guy. It really all comes down to him. Although there's a lot of upper table things going on. And I think at this point in the round of villainy, I have to give a shout out. I would like to know, and there's a right or wrong answer to this, Jason. Don't feel bad if you get it wrong, though, because I've put a lot of thought into this. Who are the most
0: brave people in that whole movie? The most brave people in that whole movie. Now you got me thinking through it. I'll set a scenario for you. Okay. I think I I know where you're going with this, but please continue.
2: Let's pretend that you have a very good, you're you're a world-class assassin. You've got a great job with the high table. Your job is basically to be a policeman within the society of hitmen. And they call you up and they say, hey, all you policemen get in this bus. We're going to go clean out this hotel and John Wick's in there.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Maybe they didn't tell him. he wasn't going down that path, but that makes some sense. (laughs) I remember watching that movie in the theater and Lady over Johanna
2: going, I would not have gotten off that bus.
0: <laughs> well, I don't know if I would have
2: told them John Wick was in there. Yeah, so maybe they didn't tell him that he was in there, but I was like, I've been like, nope, no, no thank you. But you had those guys, those cop guys, you had... This is so much villain. You had that giant dude at the library for like the first fight of the movie. That guy was huge. But yeah, at the end of the day, I'm going to end up scoring this category based on zero is going to be where I score it from. And it's going to get a pretty good score. What about the villainy of Lone
0: Wolf McQuaid? Well, that was definitely David Carradine as Raleigh Wilkes. And man, he just oozed that 80s slime. (laughs) You could tell he was like, he was drinking that champagne, snorting that cocaine, had a couple hookers on that jet, comes up, beats up some guys, makes a million dollars, flies away. Anybody
2: that, who wears a sweater in the desert all the time is suspect.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Don't trust that guy. <laughs> But, I mean, physically, he was pretty imposing, and he was definitely a physical match for Chuck Norris's J.J. McQuaid on screen, so I like that. I I like that when the main bad guy and the main good guy can kind of match up, you know, physically there for the final battle. Unfortunately, you know, unlike McQuaid, the writers didn't do such a good job of making him too interesting. I mean, he was just pretty much cookie-cutter bad. Now, it's David Carradine playing the role, so, Mm -hmm. I mean, it's acted very well but he just didn't really have a whole lot to work with, in my opinion.
2: Yeah, you're right. Bad guy does bad things. The end, you know? Yeah,
0: I was much more intrigued by the the little guy, the Falcone, or Falcone, was that his name? The gangster guy? Oh, the,
2: he's, the he's, little guy! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was definitely compelling. The very small guy, like, in a wheelchair the whole time. I
0: know he had, like,
2: Secret Passage in his
0: headquarters. <laughs> Yeah, you gotta like living, let die, revolving doors and things like that. It was pretty cool.
2: Yeah, he was like 1983's Peter Dinklage, man. He was
0: like very interesting to watch. I think
2: he was in Time Bandits. I
0: think, I think he was. Yeah, that's kind of where I associate yeah, him. Yeah, by
2: adding really. him did help out the villainy score. You you take him and you take that it's Carradine, you know. it's a dude from Kung Fu, man. Yeah. So it's going to get a little Delvin Williams bump up.
0: There we go. There you go. Thank you. You got it. I can't do it quite like his panache. But I guess in summary, yeah, David Carradine, well-acted, kind of cookie-cutter villain. I was much more interested in the character of Falcone.
2: I think that's fair. Nothing left to do but to score it. Back to John Wick 3. Did you kind of focus in on
0: Zero? Did you Zero in on Zero, if you will? I kind of focused on Zero, but I also factored in all the other bad guy elements, including kind of- Ernest, you know, the big guy at the beginning. The adjudicator, etc. The best part of the movie was when he hung up on her. Yeah, didn't say a <laughs> word. I like that. <laughs> so, what'd you score it? I scored it a nine. I think the villains are incredibly compelling. I wouldn't be surprised if, by John Wick four, I'm at a ten. Match game. Ooh, another one.
2: This point in the show, we are at three matches because I also scored in a nine. Lone Wolf McQuade, what'd you do?
0: I scored it a little bit lower than the hero, Chuck Norris. I gave a seven, if you recall. Mm. I gave them a six. I thought Carradine was kind of cookie cutter, but played well. And then you had Falcone, which kind of bumped it up to a six for me.
2: I guess a similar logic train. I gave Lone Wolf McQuaid an eight, and I gave the villains a seven.
0: Okay, and so I we're really just... really look, yeah.
2: We're close. So I really looked at a six. And then I was like, eh, it's David Carradine. I'll give it the David Carradine bump up. <laughs> I gave it a seven. I thought the last fight was pretty good and Carradine kind of held his own, but we'll talk about
0: action scenes, I think. I saw some Tiger Claw. <laughs> I saw some Snake. <laughs> That's it for my round. All right. Well, we're going to go into spectacle now. So when we're talking about spectacle, we're talking about how engaging the film is overall. We're talking visual effects like stunts and the cinematography. And we're also talking about audio effects, your sound effects, your musical score, that type of thing. So let's talk about uh, John Wick 3, spectacle. It's all right. Yeah, (laughs) if you like that kind of thing. Oh, Yeah. If you like amazingly
2: well-lit cinematography with perfect color, well-balanced shots, action, you can follow all the way through. Really good musical, though. I did miss the Marilyn Manson tune, We're Killing Strangers, because that jam is just awesome from part one. Didn't appear in part two, but still had a really good soundtrack throughout. I can't think of anything maybe outside the Jackie Chan stunt team that, that films action as good as these guys do. It's a non-stop thrill ride. I base this off how often am glance in my phone? checking twitter all that this might as well have been 1986 ain't no phones ain't no twitter honed in on this it's perfect
0: Somebody called me when I was watching it, and I just smashed my phone with a hammer.
2: There you go. (laughs) What would John Wick do, man? Yeah. So, yeah, it's a freaking perfect film in terms of spectacle, and there's a hint to my score. What do you got to say about it?
0: Well, I will say just to comment, even though we didn't have the Marilyn Manson song, she did make that comment. Sophia did. We kill the ones we love. Mm -hmm. Uh, Still didn't use the song. Where was it? Yeah, but it was in there. It was not too No, I agree with you. Tons of action. Fantastic stunts. soundtrack was terrific Uh, sets were beautifully shot and particularly with the second two films i've noticed the formula of them starting in new york getting out of new york going to an exotic locale to kind of give you a change of scenery and Mm -hmm. then back to new york to wrap it up which i think is a great formula how about Um, that
2: part where at the ballet where the ninjas just kind of come out in the middle of the ballet performance they just kind of appear through it and they're standing there. Just what a shot, man. What a freaking shot. I'll go on and on. Oh, man.
0: Well, there's one that I really like that gets me every time is when the samurai assassins are raiding the Bowery. Oh, yeah. I know what you're talking about. There's the guy that's up on top of the locker. It's like, all you see is that dark corner. He just comes out of there just hacking that dude with the sword. I'm just like, where the heck did that guy come from? (laughs) Oh, it's just amazing. Incredible film. I'll just leave it at that. I think we may have a match on this one. <laughs> ten, 10, 10, Maybe, maybe. Ah, 10, we'll get back to <coughs> it. Uh, before we get to that though, let's talk about Lone Wolf McQuaid and the spectacle there. What'd you think?
2: I think I was surprised at how much I liked it. I think it stands out a little bit from standard 80s action fare. I think they accomplished that by doing a good mix of martial arts mixed with gun fight scenes mixed with driving scenes really well balanced and a really a lot to like as far as the stunts and the action spectacle goes now it did take a little bit of a hit cuz it did do a couple of phone checks and i think i ultimately decided that what this movie needed was to be about 20 minutes shorter they needed to cut out and trim down a lot of the um, i think maybe some of the scenes about his romance with Barbara Carrera i think you could have still had it but some of them just seemed really long I don't know what it was. I don't know. I think at the end of the day it needed about 15 or 20 minutes cut out of it. And then it would have been really tight and I would have held my interest the whole time. It did a really good job of holding interest, but a couple of points I was I faded a little bit.
0: Yeah, I agree with you. I think that the Barbara Carrera scene, and again, I don't want to sound disparaging towards Barbara Carrera because she's, no, she's incredibly great. She's great. Yeah. Incredibly talented. I didn't think it moved the character really one direction or the other. Mm-hmm. too much there really wasn't a point to it in fact and i may be getting a little bit ahead of myself i was really disturbed like because she dies in the final scene and he's just like well oh, and like they take off and just leave her corpse like laying there in the dirt you know it's like you just I, gonna leave I her girl? To,
2: i guess that goes to show the impact of the character in the film overall because i don't even remember that she died at the
0: end yeah she caught a bullet
2: yeah uh, i know that you say it i kind of remember it but you're right there was no real impact to it
0: yeah you know obviously really didn't change his character one way or the other either. So if there was some point to it, and again, I mean, I don't wanna beat a dead horse here, but the scenes are all well acted by her. They just don't really move the story. It's yeah, they would have
2: been better served to spend maybe a little more time with he and his wife trying to get along or maybe repair their marriage or Yeah.
0: Something a little more compelling to the character. I will say one thing that I really like though is we talked a little bit how in the Dirty Harry movies, you know, the city of San Francisco is such a backdrop. Mm-hmm. Here, I think El Paso and the surrounding rugged countryside is just a perfect set for this movie. It mirrors the Spaghetti Westerns so well. Um, It's ruggedly beautiful. The score, the music, really kind of captures the feel of both the city and the country around it. I thought that the martial arts, the fighting in there was good, but it was kind of 80s good. One of the things I think, you know, when you compare it to John Wick, (laughs) you see this modern stuff. It's like, eh, it doesn't hold up quite as well. Yeah, that's fair. It was still good. It was still a very entertaining film. I really
2: want to just underline what you said about, using El Paso. We were probably five minutes into the film. I was watching it with Johanna and Jordan. and Joe. It was obviously Texas. And Johanna was like, I wonder where this is. Is this San Antonio? And then right about the time she was asking, there was a scene where there was a mountain range in the background. I'm like, no, that's gotta be El Paso. The only place that's got mountains that I know of in, uh, in Texas. And sure enough, the next thing you know, there's a lot of El Paso landmarks and stuff. And yeah, they did a good job of bringing the city into the story.
0: Definitely the cinematography is one of the strong points of this film agreed well let's give them a score you want to just lay down your 10 for uh, john wick 3 right now here it is 10 to victory here's mine 10 to victory all right <laughs> <laughs> match game Match game well here's where we have the real conversation what'd you give the spectacle for lone wolf mcquade seven well double match game i gave you seven as well
2: match game all right i've right. got five matches so far let's see what happens in round five
0: We may have another match coming in. I I don't know.
2: I think we can get at least one match out of round five.
1: Is that your best?
2: Round five is best action scene. If you're going to be a successful contender on action film face-off, you probably need to have a pretty good action scene appear somewhere in your film. Good luck separating these out, Jason, from John Wick. There's only like 47 action scenes to pick from. Do your thing.
0: I learned my lesson after The Rock. (laughs) I came up with seven. I came up with seven action scenes, and I had to cut a whole bunch of them aside. So there's some stuff in here, you you know, you'll be like, wait, what about the bad guys raid on the Bowery? Didn't put it in there, because my rule here is John Wick got to be in the scene. Got to be in the scene. All right. So scene number one, fight at the library.
2: I remember what my suggestion for this was, so I can't wait to hear what what you called it. (laughs) I called it the importance of beating Ernest.
0: Oh, I went with you're overdue for this ass flipping. <laughs> I like that one. I like that. One. My original one was time to hit the books.
2: <laughs> I also thought of simply calling it. shh.
0: <laughs> But then when he said, hey, Ernest, I was like, (laughs) oh, I know what I'm going to call this scene.
2: (laughs) All right. So library scene. Got it.
0: Okay. Then the second one was the fight in the bazaar when he assembles the gun and then goes into the knife fight there. Good, good. I call that how bizarre. Oh, see, I thought it was a museum. Maybe it was. I don't know. That <laughs> so didn't, didn't make sense at all. What'd you call it?
2: <laughs> I, I had nothing for it. I burned myself out on the
0: first one. I'm not good at these like you are. We'll call it <laughs> sh- part two. <laughs> all right. So, three the horse fight. Mm hmm. And the uh, bike chase, right? Right. And I know what you're probably going to say is that kind of ties into the bazaar or museum or whatever the heck it was. No, I think there's a delineation there. Okay. And the only delineation is I, I thought of two titles. So I came up. Sorry. All right. What do you got? <laughs> so I called this one Horsing Around. Yeah. Perfect. <laughs> perfect. So then we go to Casablanca and we have the fight in Casablanca. This is with Sophia and the dogs. Oh, yes. <laughs> I call this one "Who Let the Dogs Out." That's what I had.
2: All right, best <laughs> that's game. That's game.
0: <laughs> I'm trying to be like Jason. And then number five, he returns to New York, where he meets up with uh, Zero and his henchmen at the station, mm-hmm. which leads to the bike chase, and then that eventually leads to him like rolling out. He puts his hand on the step of the hotel. You're right. I just called that no tag. I'm on base. <laughs> Safe. <laughs> No tag backs. Number six, hotel raid. Bad guys going in trying to take down the uh, Continental. I called it, Don't Make Me Take Off This Jacket. <laughs> Sharon takes off that jacket, breaks out that shotgun, starts <laughs> whooping ass. I love that scene. And then finally, it's the final boss fight. Don't Make Me Take Off This Belt. <laughs> <laughs> Inspired by our father.
2: <laughs> I called that one, Somebody Needs a Glass Whooping.
0: Oh, that's a good one, too. Right. <laughs> You have about 700 years of bad luck.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Which is probably accurate for John Wick.
0: Is that all of them? That's it. Those are the seven. Real quick. Library fight. The Bizarre Museum shootout knife fight. The stable bike chase. Casablanca. Return to New York motorcycle chase. Hotel raid. And then the final boss fight. Okay. That's a lot of choices right there. You can choose one. What do you got? What'd you pick? I picked the Casablanca fight. I love those dogs, man. <laughs> those dogs were just... All right. Uh, uh, I, I'm going to do
2: an action film face-off first here. I called it the museum fight. Take the museum fight, put it in your mind, okay? Mm-hmm. Now take the dog fight, and put it in your mind, because you can pick either one, and they're both going to get the same score from me. Okay. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you know what that
0: score is. Yeah, I think, I think so. Yeah,
2: yeah. I, I, you know what? If I don't want to play halfsies because this is the long box crusade network and make a commitment, dogfight, dogfight. Just because I'd never seen anything like that before. I had neither. That was crazy. When he went like nine feet up that wall to get that dude, that dog went like nine feet, up, he jumped off of her back, and up
0: that wall. I was like, Spider dog, Spider oh, dog. <laughs> those dogs are incredible. The scene that gets me is when the dogs leap across the table to take out two of them, and she slides, slides underneath, under. Yeah. And ends up just blasting caps. I was like, Oh, man. And that's one of those scenes, too. Like, I watch it, and there's so much going on. You're just like, oh, I'm just going to focus on John Wick for this time. And the next time I'll focus on Sophia. It's just incredible. We got Lone Wolf McQuaid getting jealous over here. Oh yeah. Let's go over to Lone Wolf McQuaid. Break it down. All right. I've got really five action scenes for this one. The first one is when Lone Wolf rescues the uh, other police officers from the bandits. That's a good one. I called that one, Don't Forget the Floss, with my boot lace. <laughs> okay. so he kicked that dude's teeth, man. I like. Yes, that. Yes, he did. The second one was the warehouse shootout. And for that one, I used a little uh, Mel Brooks humor and went, Warehouse? Their house. Here, ass whooping." <laughs> The third was the airfield raid that went wrong. I called that Field of Screens. No. <laughs> Number four was assault on bad guys, the main assault on the base. I call them that laying down the laws. Oh, with the law rockets. Yeah, law rockets. rockets. Yes, <laughs> <got> yes. <laughs> and then the final boss fight, I called this time to beat this Kung Fu. Because he was on the TV show Kung Fu. Yeah, right. Got it. All right. Of those, which one did you select? I like the assault on the bad guy's base,
2: laying down the laws. Laying down the laws. I can't explain myself on this, but for some reason, I was just really enjoying that warehouse shootout. That was a good shootout, man. That was a good, good oh, fight. I'm, I'm going to go with the warehouse shootout.
0: Warehouse their house here ass whooping?
2: Yeah. <laughs> That's the one. All right. All right. Going back to John Wick, we both picked a dogfight. Are we match game in these tens, or what's the story on that?
0: I'll just throw this ten on your ten. Ten, 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 match game. Sixth
2: match game of the episode. We could get a maximum of seven if we match over on Lone Wolf Equate. I like the warehouse shootout. You like the laws, laying down the laws. Laying down the laws, yeah. Salt on the base. That was actually really good. Uh, Where'd you go? I went seven. Seven match game.
0: All right.
2: We're going to finish the regular rounds with a match game. So if you guessed... Seven matches. You were right. Seven out of ten, man. We only mismatched three times and we were close on each one. But we have one round
0: left to go. Yes, we do. It's the negative round, the deduction round.
1: I was taking shrapnel and case son while you were crapping in your hands and rubbing it on your face! This is the reduction
0: for the ridiculous. Are we gonna dare to take a point? Or more from John Wick 3 Parabellum, Jared? To quote Captain Steve
2: Rogers at the end of Avengers Endgame. No, I don't think I will.
0: <laughs> <laughs> to quote the neighbor from Office Space. Nah, nah, man. <laughs> <Hell> nah. <laughs> get your ass kicked. You do something like that. <laughs> no,
1: man. <sighs> no, man. I believe you get your ass kicked saying so much like that, man.
2: No deductions for John Wick 3. Deductions for loan with McQuay. One point deduction. I can put up with a lot of 80s stuff. Mm-hmm. I get it, but a super powered car that could drive itself out of being completely buried in the dirt because he's all like, "Run!" <laughs> Push the on the accelerator. I was just like, "This is the dumbest crowd I've ever seen." I like that scene. I man. couldn't get on board with it. I like get a minus one for that scene. I was just like, I was watching with Jordan and Johanna. We were all just laughing like, "This is so stupid." This this is the most 80s moment of this whole movie. <laughs> Sorry, but the supercharged Ford Bronco digging itself out of uh, being buried out of his willpower.
0: I don't know. Didn't do it for me. <laughs>
2: Minus one. Didn't care for that, did you? Can't go for that. No can do.
0: I think for me, the one that got me the most is the first scene when he has the Mac-10 uh-huh. in the desert. And he does that little pirouette where he just goes like in a circle and like shoots and like everybody magically dies. <laughs> yeah, it doesn't work that way. No. <laughs> Yeah, That's true. I remember remarking about that
2: when we watched as a family schooling Jordan on the 80s. And I'm like, a Mac-10 has to show up in just about every 80s action movie. And let me tell you something. It's damn near impossible to hit anything with a Mac-10.
0: Well, remember in Invasion USA, he had like two Mac-10s on straps hanging off his shoulders that he was using throughout the movie. I'm I'm very Norris deficient. I've never seen it. Okay. Well, you probably will if we keep doing this.
2: I think it is germane for Action Film Face-Off to point out, if you think about our promo, when we recorded that promo like a year ago, uh, I distinctly said, some of the films have Chuck Norris. <laughs> you were like, none of the films have had Chuck Norris yet, but it could happen. Yep. Episode 21. <laughs> Finally did. Black right, yeah, Jack, Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris has shown up. That's the end of our scoring rounds. Don't worry if you haven't been keeping up with the math at home, folks. We do that for you on Action Film Face-Off and looking at the judges' scorecards. The winner of this episode of Action Film Face-Off with a score of 93 out of a possible 100 points to 66. And no one's surprised. John Wick, Chapter 3, Parabellum.
0: Congratulations to John Wick 3 Parabellum. Now let's head over to the randomizer and find out what the years are going to be for the next episode. My brother Jared will be pulling a film from. Choose Your Destiny. 1995. Golden Eye! Bum, bum, bum. Okay, all right. I don't know what it is. I know it Demon. came out in <laughs> And I will bring a film from choose your destiny 1971 you're my birth here we go oh that is the year of your birth that's correct
2: we've had 71 before I had mm-hmm. 71 and you had 76 I think on an episode yep
0: you picked Shaft damn right <laughs> <laughs> Well, what will those films be? We'll tease them on social media for those of you who want to watch before listening, Dave, or you can tune in next episode to find out. Well, until next time, I'm Jason, the Weasel Skull Albrecht, and you can find me on social media. At Weasel Skull on Twitter or at Jason Albrick on Facebook and Instagram.
2: And you can find me, Jared Albrick, the Yard Sale Artist, aka Death Probe, at Yard Sale Artist, Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, or over on my YouTube page. You can watch me draw pictures live or also recorded. It. Anyway, just Yard Sale Artist on YouTube. Be sure to check out all the shows under the Long Box Crusade umbrella by subscribing to Long Box Crusade on iTunes, Google Play, pretty much all your finer podcasts, or you can go directly to www.long boxcrusade.com. If you'd like to send us a question or a comment, we recommend you go to Twitter. We have at AFFO podcast. We love chatting with people there. We love it when people get passionate about these fights. Eh, This one might have been a little one-sided, but if there's someone out there screaming for Lone Wolf McQuaid, we want to hear from you. And we want to hear from the female listeners. Especially if
0: you're Chuck Norris. If you're Chuck Norris, come scream at us.
2: Yes, (laughs) but also female listeners. If you're a female listener, like we said earlier, we'd love to hear from you because we're solidly convinced we only have one at this point. So (laughs) we'd love to hear from you. Twitter at AFF. O podcast. You can also check us out on Twitter, Facebook, Instagram at Longbox crusade. That's the umbrella account. That'll cover all the shows from the Longbox crusade network, including this one. And if you want to interact with us with live chat, be entered to win some free stuff on our raffles. Mm-hmm, join us on our next episode of doing it live stream over on YouTube. We do it on the second Sunday of every month, most of the time. And we always start at three 30 PM central time. You can get signed up for that by looking up Longbox crusade say it on youtube we'd really appreciate it if you subscribe to it and click the bell so you get reminder notifications when we go live and you can get the chat and you can talk about things you heard about on action film face off which you agreed with which you didn't agree with and Jason and i will respond back to you live on the show thanks for tuning in we appreciate you listening And until next episode keep your head down and your knuckles up the intro and outro theme to this show and all of our action film face off shows are done by musical genius Joe November. Check out his SoundCloud at J O S E F L I N 9 9. You will not regret it.
0: One, one Wyatt, led by Elmer Food. Elmer Food. One Wyatt, so. one wager. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Tried to kill my daughter. <laughs> Diehard. How many diehards have we had? Yeah, I, I, I like three a lot though. <laughs> <laughs> Samuel yeah.
2: Jackson and Bruce Willis. Yeah, it was yeah. Chapin and, and Jelly. <laughs> four was good too.
0: <laughs> kind of like five. Anyway. anyway. <laughs> Off topic here. You're the best around. I know I'm supposed to be doing something, but right now I'm looking through 1971. (laughs) Just wait, just wait. I can't, man, I can't. I see that highlighted yellow like I'm off to a plane. (laughs) She's going to blow him away.